you're listening to This Is Wellness, the podcast where wellness looks different for everyone. We spend 40 or more hours per week at work, but what is the recipe for healthy work wellness and work-life balance? Today, our hosts explore ways to improve the balance of work and life responsibilities to make it just that much easier to maintain your wellness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to This Is Wellness. I am your host, Celeste Novades, and I am joined by your co-host, Sarah Polk. Hello. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, got a big cup of iced tea here, had an awesome grilled cheese, feeling good. Yeah, it seems to be rolling pretty well here. Yeah. All right, Sarah. So today we are talking about workplace wellness. And I didn't tell you in advance what we were talking about. So we're going to roll with the punches today. This was something I actually put out on my personal social media a couple months ago. And I said, we're restarting This Is Wellness Podcast. What do you all want to hear? And everybody wrote back work-life balance, workplace wellness, some version of that, which I think is so interesting that clearly this is a topic with high interest and a lot of people waiting to hear what we have to say. So no pressure. Just know that. Okay. And I have no preparation going into this because you're the one who prepared this episode. So I'm ready for the ride. All right. So when the buzzworthy phrase work-life balance comes about, what comes to mind? The fact that I fail at it miserably all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's uh, trying to find that balance, which... So finding the happy medium of dedicating enough of yourself to your work that you are doing well in it and succeeding, but also making sure that your personal life and the life outside of that is healthy and thriving as well, which sounds so easy. Oh, yeah. Right. 50 50. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Totally. Nothing ever bleeds into and there don't wind up being times when I'm out to dinner with friends who all also happen to be therapists and all we wind up doing is talking about therapy. That's totally balance. Yeah. Nat. Okay. So here's what I've done some research about. I think the idea of work-life balance is this idea of or concept of 50-50, right? Like I go to work, I come home and I completely shut off from work and I am completely present with my family or friends. And if COVID has taught us anything... Yeah. Right. We all worked from home for a little while. Well, most of us, I should say. There are a lot of really wonderful people that stayed out, worked and held our community together. So my thank you to you. But what I'm trying to say is when we started working from home and living at work, as I like to call it, we got a bunch of things sort of bleeding in and out of each other, like you said, and that those clear lines were super blurry. And I think as we move out of COVID or we're in this, what we'll call the new normal, the lines keep getting blurrier, I think, and what I'm seeing and why I think so many people requested this topic and that not everything is so clear cut. There is no end of day and then I'm done. I think we do on our drive home even think about, did I send that email? Should I call that person back? Did I say the things I needed to say in that meeting or that presentation? So how do we actually establish work-life balance in a way that's realistic, in a way that's feasible, and protects our overall mental health and wellness. So one of the things that I want to do is redefine it. And work-life balance does not mean equal balance. When we think about scales, right, one time or another, we're going to tip one way or another. That is normal. The problem is if you don't realign and come back to some sort of 70-30, 60-40, if it's 90-10 all the time and then 90-10 the other way, that's 
swinging too hard right well it's not sustainable in any way shape or form right and i think that's what i see folks doing like i need to just i need to work myself nonstop, got to hustle for my worth, which I see a lot of people doing too on social Mm -hmm. media, or I need to completely disconnect and I don't want to talk to anybody. And it's like, I don't think either one of those are actually sustainable. So understanding that work-life balance does not mean equal balance. It can shift and change. But our job as people is to make sure we're monitoring that and not waiting until we've been at a 90-10 sort of shift for two weeks and then we're taking it out on everybody around us. Which is typically what I've learned. That's when people are like, you need to have better boundaries. I'm like, so I've done something wrong. So work-life balance is a cycle, not an achievement. I like thinking of that that way because... Me too. Instead of like, I have gotten there, I am balanced. It's you're always working on it. Exactly. But that also sounds exhausting. Well, it can be in that it's something you have to monitor. But just like everything else we monitor, go to the doctor if we need to, not waiting until you go to the emergency room to take care of something. Yeah. So that goes with our work-life balance as well. Not waiting until use or lose time to use all your vacation. I'm looking at Sarah. Hey, but I am using it. Okay. (laughs) To then say like, well, and she didn't do this, but it's I've taken a vacation all year and I just need my days off. And how are you doing this to me? You know, that kind of thing. Then you're getting to a place of burnout, which we are covering next week. So be ready for that one. But thinking about it as it ebbs and flows and so monitoring it regularly and not waiting until either HR calls you in. That's a problem. Yeah, that is a problem. Or your family goes, you are a nightmare to be around and... We don't want to spend Thanksgiving with you because you were just awful and grumpy the whole time. Or other things in your life are kind of out of whack. I know we've talked about this before of how sometimes certain parts of your wellness can compensate. So as long as I'm doing really well in work, I can have some other parts of my life maybe be slightly off, but that accomplishment or that positive can be enough to sustain me, right? We talked about that with the whole height of COVID where it was like socially, I'm struggling here Mm -hmm. because this is not my jam. This is not how I communicate with people. This is not what I want and what I like. But intellectually, I am, you know, channeling my efforts in such a way that it can compensate. So we're looking at both the work and the life. They can compensate for one another at times, Mm -hmm but always keeping that in check and never letting one overcompensate exactly consistently. Right. Okay. Got it? Following me? Yes, but at the same time, I feel like I'm going to fail at this miserably. So how do I make this manageable? (laughs) Well, doing a couple things. So pause and recalibrate often. And so putting it in your either calendar or looking at something where I know for me, something I'm guilty of is overscheduling myself. Like I can book 10 meetings in an eight hour workday faster than anybody can do it. And so looking at and checking in with people, I just did it before a meeting with Sarah said, Hey, do we need to meet next week about this? Or can I miss it? I've never been one to do that. That is a new skill set for me. Like, do I need to go to this? Not do I need to, but is this something I can step out of? Whereas before I just had to say yes to everything. Because I felt like I needed to. Well, but also I think that comes back to the idea of delegating. Mm -hmm. So there are certain things that you know you can delegate to me. And there are certain things I know I can delegate to you to where I say, I'm off on this day, but can you meet with those people anyway? And really being able to have that trust and that community, Mm -hmm. like we talked about in terms of our environment last week. Hello. Bringing it all together. But I think it's important to really cultivate that and know how and when to do that. And I know for some people, it can be really difficult. And I know that's been something for both of us where it's hard to relinquish that 
and let someone else take those reins and delegate Mm -hmm. because we know exactly how we want things or we know exactly what we want from certain like Mm -hmm. the outcomes that we want. Right. And we're so afraid that someone else might not get us exactly that outcome. So you hit on my next point, and that Mm -hmm. is communicate. Yes. So many times people have consulted with me both personally and professionally and said, I'm going to quit my job. I just hate it here for this, this, this and this reason. And now I say, now that I've been in a supervisor role for some time, I always ask, have you talked to your immediate supervisor or your supervisor's supervisor about this? Or even your coworkers. Well, I just mean, have you given your supervisor the opportunity to change those things? Yeah. Like, I think we complain or suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. It's like, ugh, I just... And so saying yes to 10 meetings and then not letting anybody know or my supervisor know, hey, I'm doing this and it really sucks and I'm miserable. Because then they can have the opportunity to say, well, let's look at that. Like, I didn't even know that was happening to you. I've supervised people in my career where people will be at their breaking point. And they're like, well, it's because I'm doing all of this. And I'm sitting there going, I had no idea that was happening. Let's talk about that. Let's reorganize. Let's reprioritize some things. And so making sure that you're communicating with your supervisor or people at work that can make those changes or help you make those changes in order to be well and find some kind of sustainable balance. Like 10 meetings a day is not sustainable. Every once in a while, I got it. Crisis time, I can make it work. But if I'm doing this all the time, at the end of the day, the person who is saying yes to all these meetings is me. Mm -hmm. Nobody else. So I've got to make it more of a priority. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow for some of us, (laughs) myself included, right? Like, who did this? And I think I've even sent you messages on Teams, like, who did my schedule today? And you're like, let's kill her. I'm like, I know. Like, just kidding. It's me. It's when we're going after past Celeste and past Sarah for current Sarah's problems. They're so much more ambitious than we are. They really are. They have such an eye on the prize. And we look at it and we're like, okay, the reality of the situation is you only have eight hours. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm looking at that, though, what if I don't necessarily have the most supportive supervisor? How do I communicate that? Now, I do because you're my supervisor. Hello. Yeah. So this is not a but if (laughs) I have I've been in situations and that's where we get to the burnout conversation next week. We're going to have that. How do you try to do that work life balance and communicate that to a supervisor who maybe isn't the most supportive? Because I know for us, it's easy to say because we do have supportive supervisors. Right. Right. And there has never been a time when I've gone to you and said, Celeste, I'm spread too thin. I need help. And you've said, you know what? I'm sorry. You just got to figure it out. But I know that there are supervisors out there. Sure. So what is your recommendation for that? So first and foremost, identify what you're frustrated about. Because we can go on and on. The temperature in my room is too cold and I don't like the coffee in the break room. And like, are those your real complaints? Are they just the easiest thing to pick on? Yeah. Right. If you drop some long list of just unnecessary things, but at core it is... I don't like my schedule. I don't like my, I don't know where I'm placed in the building. I'm right next to the bathroom and it stinks. I don't know. I'm trying to think of environmental wellness right there. Oh, there there you go. I'm trying to think of those examples, but really getting to the core of what it is that is causing this level of frustration or stress or unhappiness to be able to communicate that. And second, checking your emotions. If you're coming into your supervisor's office and you're at a 10 you spilled coffee on your white shirt on the way coming in. Everything is running late. You're just having a bad day. Probably not the best time to have those conversations. Probably not. Right? Like, you know what else? Your nail polish is awful. Like, you're just going to say something that's just outrageous, irrelevant, and not helpful to the conversation. So identify at the core what it is that you're upset about. Checking your emotions and scheduling a time and day to have this difficult conversation to where you are 
you know, in your wise mind, as therapists like to say, and can communicate that effectively. Now, if and when there are times there are supervisors in the world that do not listen well or do not care, I, you know, I don't want to believe that, but I know it's true. I know that these people exist. And then it might be time to, to look elsewhere. And that's a, that's a tough thing to say as a supervisor who's lost people or had people quit from even underneath me. But uh, at the end of the day, we all need to be okay. Well, and there also wind up being things where like I think about people who I've had leave from under my supervisor, my supervision, right? Mm -hmm. People who have moved on to other things where they're like, well, I really just want this other opportunity that affords me this kind of flexibility. Or I really want the ability to engage in research or in in some of those things where I'm like, I get that and I cannot help you with that Mm -hmm. in the role that you're in. Right. Right. Because I know there's a big thing right now about like pay and and things of that nature, which Mm. obviously we work in a nonprofit. We are only able to pay so much. And that's something I can't necessarily offer to match a private corporation a lot of the time. But ultimately, too, there wind up being things where I've left positions where I've said, you know, this is not stimulating me anymore. This is not the population I want to work with. Or maybe it is, but this isn't the setting that I want to work with that population in. And really being able to say, I think a good supervisor is the person who says, you know what, let me help you figure that out within this setting, if possible. But if not, I really do support you right. in that. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's where you know there are some things that you can shift and change. I know in the past, I having worked under you as just strictly a therapist, I was like, I miss doing groups. I went from doing tons and tons of groups. Mm -hmm. Now I do none. And we were able to work that in. But like you said, I communicated that. And I said, this is what I want right now. Mm -hmm. How do I meet that need Mm -hmm. to make this what I need out of my workplace? And I think people sometimes are scared to ask about that. That's what I've seen too. Like, well, I don't know how to start that conversation or what if it doesn't go well? And I'm like, what if it goes great though? Yeah. We won't know until we try. And so one of the things that you just touched on, though, was this sort of level of control. Mm -hmm. What can I control? What can't I control? There are some things, the break room coffee, maybe not in my control. (laughs) Right? Yeah. But maybe I control, again, back to our environment. Sorry, last week's episode. But just like the things I can control, the things that are in my space, the things that bring me joy, how I spend my time, you know, at lunch, If I'm sitting at my desk trying to inhale McDonald's that was delivered to me, so I overpaid on delivery, I'm not eating well, I'm still working through my lunch. It's everybody else's fault, though. Well, that is in my control. I can step away. You, I remember before COVID, you all used to have like this walking group. Yep. You all would walk around the block. This is our old office. But I remember just being like, that is so awesome. Like that was you controlling your time during your break. Yeah. And we really did make it a point to dedicate that time to where we were doing we were not talking about work mm-hmm. specifically we would not talk about work a couple of us would play pokemon go which was always great <laughs> and we would kind of dictate where we would walk around but we would specifically say like no that's shop talk we are not doing that right now mm-hmm. it would get us out of the element and we would even do that in the rain i, I remember, remember walking we would walk in the rain we would walk in the high winds because it was a really important time for us to be able to kind of get out of our element and hold that time kind of sacred for each other And that's what I'm seeing is, you know, family, friends and people I consult with is just this feeling of a lack of control. And that is daunting and overwhelming and just can feel so heavy, like nothing is going to change. Everything is awful at work. I hate it here. Right. But there are things we can do. There are small changes that we can implement, how I utilize my lunch break, how I decorate my little, even my cubicle or wherever I'm at and just finding and taking control and claiming that in small but impactful ways. 
Okay. So if I'm trying to balance my life and I'm thinking about my personal life and how things are going there, Mm -hmm. um, what changes do I make there to impact that work-life balance overall? So I have a real life story. You'll be very proud of me. Okay. I got a late night email from somebody work sort of related. It's a side project sort of thing that I'm helping with. And they emailed me on a Friday night and were like, I need this by Monday. And I was like, I just landed in San Antonio. I'm here visiting my family. That's not going to happen. Like I literally had just walked in through my aunt's door and was being greeted by all my family that I haven't seen for three years. And I was like, I will get back to you on Monday. Like the smallest things, whereas I think even a year ago, I would have stepped off to the side because, of course, you know me, I had my like work laptop or something access my work phone that I could have stepped off to the side and addressed it. And instead, I was like, I will get back to you on Monday. And it was really difficult for me. But I know even my family was like, you're going to say no and come sit with us for dinner and I was like yes I am that's when the rainbow like comes over your head <laughs> personal growth yes I know <laughs> I know and even on the drive home my mom is checking in like are you sure you don't need to get back to that I'm like no this is this is okay it was after hours it wasn't anything that you know was on fire mm-hmm. but I think we and maybe not we but I know me I'm guilty of everything is so urgent and if I don't do it in the next 15 minutes it's going to cause just massive destruction. Mm-hmm. Like the whole organization is going to fall through because I didn't respond to this email within 15 minutes. And that's so unrealistic. And you know what? To be honest, nobody else is putting that expectation on me except for me, mm-hmm. if I'm really honest. And that's tough to admit. And I think it's tough for a lot of people to admit. Like, so using that personal time and just really enjoying it. Like, I, you know me, I didn't leave my work. I used to carry my work phone with me all the time, like weekends included. Like I felt like, I don't know, one of you all, I don't know what you were doing on a Sunday, but for some reason I needed to be available. And it's taken some time to just be like, "Uh, no, I mean, if it was really bad, we'd figure out a way to connect. Yeah. It'll be okay. And I think of that too, because I am now in a role too, where I have a 24 seven response team Mm -hmm. and I have to be accessible for them 24 seven. But there have been times where I've deliberately said, I know where this therapist is mm-hmm. in their skill set. Right. I'm going to give them six hours before I respond so that they can, you know, I've looked at what the issue is. I'm going to give it some time. And that really is also helping them develop those skills of not being able to recognize, is this a crisis I can handle on my own versus needing Sarah? And also, I have my own personal life that, yes, I am on call 24-7 and on the weekends and holidays and everything along those lines. But also helping them realize this is not something I need to call for. This is not the kind Mm -hmm. of crisis that is necessitating that and being able to differentiate that on their end. Mm -hmm. So that's been something that's been very difficult for me where I'm like, but I it says in my job description, I am on call 24 seven and I am. But also then gauging, is this actually in need of my crisis response and my urgency or is it something that needs to step back a little bit on that priority? Right. But I think that's a good point of. When do you shift from thinking about work to shifting to that personal? And then when do you shift to thinking about work from your personal life too? Like, how do I go back from the weekend back to work on Monday? (laughs) That shift isn't as difficult for me. I think it's the opposite. So maybe understanding which switch is harder for you to turn on and off Mm -hmm. and working from there. For me, I can work 12 to 12 right? Yeah. And then it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm like, I'm solving global problems in this research project. No, I'm not. 
no, I'm not. I'm spending way too much time on a project that needed 30 minutes and I've been on it for three hours. Mm -hmm. So turning it that off is harder for me. So being mindful of that, I think whatever it is, recognizing which switch is hard for you, paying attention to that and gearing that up. Like you've seen me, I used to do all day Sundays Mm -hmm. and I would email y'all just weird stuff all day. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm getting ahead. Well, I've limited that time now. Yeah. It's like an hour in the evening on Sunday to just sort of check in. Everybody good? Nothing on fire? Cool. I know for me, I also feel like that's helping me prep for what my Monday morning is going to look like. Right. So knowing that today, this particular Monday was a really light day on Sunday, I glanced at it, saw my schedule and was like, I don't need it. I don't need to do anything for that. Mm -hmm. I'm good. And then communicating that mm-hmm. like, hey, I've, I've told you, like, I'm going to be out of pocket all day the day today or whatever the case may be so that we can utilize each other or other people or other resources that exist within our organization because no man or woman is an island. Yeah. Like we can figure this out together. And I think it's important, too, for those of us who have a difficult time switching off that work. I know we've talked about those routine shifts before, and I think about how for me, COVID took away my afternoon drive, which was really my time where oh, yeah. I had that mindset when I'm driving by because I, I live on the west side of town and I would drive from northeast to the west. Mm-hmm. For me, I knew if I was driving by downtown for anybody who doesn't know El Paso, El Paso is kind of split by a mountain and downtown and the mountain kind of collide. That's like the center point of where you shift from one part of town to the next. I knew if by the time I was driving through downtown, I was still thinking about work I needed to shift at that point. I had very physical reminders Mm -hmm. of Sarah, you need to turn off work, Sarah, and you need to shift to thinking about what you're making for dinner or, you know, other things that you need to prepare for for your personal life type of thing. I know we've talked a lot about that, too, of the idea of routines of changing your clothes or taking a shower or really kind of giving that like physical representation of that switch. And it was harder Once COVID hit and once there were blurred lines Mm -hmm. and I think there were certain things like I started to instead of having my commute, I started doing the dishes and I would actually save the dishes for five o'clock. And that was a part of my shift from working. And my dogs were really great because they got a treat at that point. So they would make sure that at five o'clock I knew it was five o'clock because I can trust my dog's stomach (laughs) as a clock for whatever I need. But even being able to work those like external reminders in help with that shift. Yeah. I missed that too. I remember I, I listened to certain podcasts and radio stations on my drive to work in the morning and then my 10 second commute yes. <laughs> from one bedroom to another was cut. And so then I brought that back in of like a morning routine of just like getting ready and listening to that. So it felt somewhat like a transition. Mm-hmm. I don't know what about that that sets the tone for that. That helps me transition to your original question. And then thinking about on my drive home, really, I'll I'll call my mom on the drive home, something that's not going to be about work. I can talk to her about my day, but not continuing a meeting from the car. Yeah. Right. Because then I walk in the door and I'm opening up my laptop and then that turns into it's eight o'clock at night. Yes. Very quickly. So my advice to everybody listening, take some time, reprioritize, reclaim what you can control and understand that perfectionism is not realistic, is not attainable. And finding what works for you in order to find work-life balance is best because work-life balance is a cycle, not an achievement. So you've just given me the complete okay to completely check out from work during my time off this week. Um, Did I not tell you that before? Yes, you did. And that's really (laughs) hard for me to swallow. I'm sure it is for lots of people listening. Thank you so much for joining us today on This Is Wellness. We will see you next week for burnout. Have a great week and be well. 
This is Wellness is a podcast by Emergence Health Network. It's hosted by Celeste Nevarez and Sarah Polk. Audio production by Andrew J. Polk and produced by Ashley Sandoval. Thank you.